Well, new data out today when it comes to COVID, and we're not talking about caseloads here or infection rates. We're talking about hospitalization and the cost. Some pretty interesting numbers. Dr. Catherine Smart is president of the Canadian Medical Association and joins us to break it all down here on Global News Radio. Dr. Smart, nice to speak with you again. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. All right, let's begin with the cost. $22,000 for the average hospitalization for somebody that does have or has had COVID. Uh, what exactly goes into that cost, doctor? Well, it, you know, there's so many things, of course, that go into hospital admission. There's the cost of all the healthcare staff that are in the hospital caring for you. Um, nurses, doctors, cleaning staff, social workers, respiratory therapists, all the team that's needed. And then there's the equipment, uh, drugs and all the environmental costs as well associated with the hospital. So, of course, the longer that you're in the hospital and the higher level of care you're needing, for example, ICU, all those things drive costs. And that's why we're seeing that the cost of a COVID admission is so much higher than other reasons people utilize the hospital. Well, I was about to ask you that next. How does this expense compare to other treatments and this $22,000 average price tag? Uh, Was it something that caught your attention? Did it seem higher than you might have thought? Um, I would say I'm not surprised just because I have heard from colleagues and seen how sick these patients are and they tend to have prolonged stays in hospital. But like you've said, you know, what we've seen from the CHI-HI data is that the cost is about three times other emergencies that we see, things like heart attacks, pneumonias, or flu uh, admissions. So the cost drivers are huge with COVID. And, you know, when we're talking about that twenty-two, dollars $23,000 number, that's for an average hospital stay. When you look at people who are admitted to ICU, that number doubles and the cost is up over $50,000 for a patient, which again is much higher than what we see in other illnesses that end up in the intensive care unit. Yeah, the one fact that really caught my attention, doctor, was it costs more to treat COVID than it does for a kidney transplant. Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And is that because of the duration of the stay as well? Uh, On average, uh, somebody who is admitted to hospital with COVID is there for roughly half a month, 15 days. Yes, absolutely. That's a huge cost driver, of course. The longer you're in the bed using all those hospital resources, the higher that cost is going to be. Um, And 15 days in the hospital is a long stay. And of course, there's some people that are there even longer, especially people that are in the intensive care unit. Yeah. Is there anything that can be done about the length of stay? I mean, obviously, this is something I'm sure medical professionals, researchers are looking into when it comes to the uh, treatment of COVID. And we often talk about research when it comes to uh, vaccines, but I haven't seen or read too much coverage about uh, research when it comes to the treatment of the virus. Well, that's one of the challenges with viral illnesses, things like COVID, is there's no direct treatment really of the of the virus that's causing the infection itself. What we're seeing is the care for patients with COVID is high level supportive care. So, you know, there's some drugs that have maybe been effective in shortening the duration of treatment, but still the impact there is not huge like it would be for other things where we have direct antibiotics and things that are useful for those other conditions. So that's partly what drives the length of stay is most of the care that you're seeing is very supportive as the body has to work through the infection itself. And because it takes so long to treat COVID, a hospitalization again, on average 15 days, what sort of impact is that having on ICU staff, on hospital staff? We've seen stories the last couple of weeks and really throughout the pandemic about burnout in our healthcare heroes. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, part of the issue, of course, because the stays are prolonged, that means every person utilizing the hospital for a COVID admission, it's really overtaxing our system because now they're in that bed twice as long as someone else who might have utilized the hospital for a different reason. So that's why when you're seeing the numbers of hospitalizations increasing, particularly in ICUs as well, that's why you're hearing from healthcare professionals how overwhelmed they are because these are not patients who are quickly moving through the hospital. So as those numbers start adding up, you know, they're almost exponential in a way because they're staying in the hospital for so long. So, you know, in terms of how that relates to the burnout, of course, the workloads are huge. You know, we're having so much mandatory overtime for nursing staff, which is very overwhelming, people not being able to take any time off. And then knowing that so much of this is preventable, you know, when you look at the data about what's driving hospital admissions and the big uh, proportion of these patients are unvaccinated, knowing that these patients would not be in that position had they been vaccinated, that very much contributes to the moral injury that healthcare workers are feeling right now. Hmm, interesting. And what sort of impact does this also have a 15-day average hospital stay or ICU stay on other patients and other surgeries? Are we, I think, hearing once again that, uh, unfortunately, surgeries are being canceled? Absolutely. You know, as the hospital fills up with patients with COVID, they're not able to have space for other people that need to use the hospital for other reasons. And where we really see that, as you've referenced, is in surgeries. You know, and I think there's a misnomer when we're talking about these being elective surgeries that are being canceled. These are not, you know, things that people don't need. They're just not life-threatening. So, you know, if you need your brain tumor removed or your kidney transplanted or um, your knee replaced, you know, I don't think people would consider those elective. Those are things that people require. Um, And now what we're seeing in certain provinces, like in Alberta, they're canceling all elective surgeries in some locations. So these are people that have been waiting a long time that have serious health needs that are not being met because the hospitals are full of patients with COVID. All right. Obviously, this is a problem. This is sadly a story that is repeating itself. Uh, We have seen this and the effect that it's had COVID on our hospitals and the second and uh, third waves in particular. So what, if anything, Dr. Smart, can be done? Well, you know, the main thing that can really change the direction of this is increasing the vaccination rate in our population. And, And we seem to have reached sort of a critical moment where we need to find ways to compel the final people that are chosen not to be vaccinated to be vaccinated. So I think what we need is really clear messaging from our leaders um, to move beyond this dialogue about personal freedom. You know, the choice not to be vaccinated doesn't only impact you. It impacts absolutely everybody in our society, as we've been discussing. You know, if you then take up a hospital bed, that impacts all the other people that now can't get care. You know, the cost of your hospitalization means all that money that's been spent on something that could have been prevented isn't in the system for other people who need care. So I think we need to really uh, have a clear messaging from everyone in politics and leadership that really calls on people to recognize we live in community. We live with a social contract to care for each other. And we have to start making decisions collectively that advance what's best for all Canadians. So that means being vaccinated and being cautious when it comes to other things that are public health mitigation strategies. You know, wear your mask keep your social contacts fewer right now. These are the things that we need to do to move quickly through this fourth wave. You bet. Dr. Smart, really appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. Dr. Catherine Smart is president of the Canadian Medical Association. 
commenting on this uh, new data that is out today that says the average hospital stay for somebody with COVID-19 is 15 days. So I mentioned half a month and the cost roughly $22,000, which again, that $22,000 is more than a cost of somebody with a heart attack or somebody who has had a kidney transplant. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.